Amen. Hallelujah. Are you excited this morning? You want to hear about your destiny? You want to hear about the Word of the Lord this morning? You want to hear about how we prepared this place before you were entered into your mother's womb? You want to hear about His plans for you? You want to hear about what He's doing in this upper valley? Amen! Woo! Praise the Lord. Too much coffee. He had coffee this morning. He had three or four cups. Beth, are we all set back there? We got uh, video going and... Uh, all right, praise the Lord. Got a big smiling face back there. Praise the Lord. Well, I want to announce, uh, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. Amen? I want to talk to you this morning that you understand your purpose of why you're here. That you understand your destiny. That you understand why God has orchestrated the things the way He has. I want to talk to you this morning about who you are, what you need to understand. There are types and shadows that God operates through, and you need to understand the types and the shadows and the way the Lord speaks. He reveals the things that we can see, amen, Amen. that reveals the things, the story of His heart, the story of His passion, how He loves, how He wants to be made known, how He wants you to understand This is something that he foretold years ago, revealing secrets, yet the secrets are still secret to some. You're a chosen people. Did you know that you're planted according to where God wants you to be planted? He says he puts every single one in place, in joint, where it pleases him. We must understand we're playing a vital part. We're playing a vital role in this great plan that God has. It's a part of a larger story, right? But it tells about His heart. And it tells about who He is. Lonnie reminded us uh, last week that uh, we were known before we were entered into the mother's womb. That we were predestined. That we had a destiny to fulfill. That we had a prophetic utterance that released the Word of God. And you were known before you were entered into your mother's womb. He knew you. And He called you to walk in this place. It's in this place He's working to build His house. He's working. And He wants you to refuse compromise. He doesn't want you to try to figure it out in some sort of compromising way. He spoke one word and He imparted that word to your heart. Fulfilling destiny requires you to understand that you're part of the larger story that God started to tell long, long ago. It's His story, just as the body of Christ is one body, right? And so as we walk out this story, God tests the heart to figure out that w- whether or not we would obey Him. He, he sifts and tests and sifts and tests 
and sifts and purges. He wants a pure bride. He wants a pure church. A church without compromise. A church without wavering. A church that doesn't give up. A, a people who know their God. He'll sift and cleanse. He'll purge and purge and cleanse and sift. And you wonder, what's the purpose of the trial that I'm going through? Why, God? If you're such a loving God, why all of these things? Why does it have to turn out? Because there are things in our hearts that need to be transformed. There are things in our thought process and the way that we see the world that needs to change. God never changes. And He calls us to be like Him. And it's in this process, every time we stand in His presence, we're getting a little closer to perfection. We're getting a little closer to being like Him. I want you to know that in 1 Corinthians 6.19, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God's. We must keep the faith believing with active waiting. Do you have promises that God has told you about? Do you have hopes and dreams? Do you have a desire? Do you, not, do you know why you're put on this earth? Do you know why you've been given the circumstances that you have been given? Do you understand the calling? Do you understand your destiny? This story started long ago. I want to remind you, Abraham was a man asking some of the same questions you're asking. He was struggling with, why am I here? He was wondering, what's my purpose? He didn't know God at the time. He grew up in his father's house. He was very wealthy. He was introduced to false gods all over the place. But there was something inside of him, just like there's something inside of you that's longing for more. An awakening. A change. To know why you're here. And I believe just like God answered Abraham, He'll answer you. And He has been answering you. And He's been unfolding your life to fit a destiny that He predetermined and wrote about in the books of heaven. The Lord God said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, your father's house, everything that's familiar to you, and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed before you. Isn't that an amazing promise? Now the problem with this is the blessing requires Abraham to have a family if his descendants are going to fill the earth. 
It requires Abraham to have a family of children, of sons and daughters, of those that he can raise up as he comes to know the Lord and impart to them how to carry on the seed. And the problem was that he didn't have a promise of a seed at the time. And he's 80 years old. And usually when you're 80 years old, your body is uh, kind of going the other way, deteriorating as, as we get older. All those aches and pains, right? You get up in the morning and you go, oh my goodness, Lord, your grace is the only way, right? Well, Abraham was of the same way. He was wondering, God, how is, I know that you met me. I know that you spoke to me. I know there's something inside of me that is longing for something more than what I've presently achieved. But how is this going to happen? And so another 20 years goes by. Can you imagine? How long have you waited for the promises of God to unfold in your life to be your experience? You're no different than our ancestors, our our relatives who lived just prior to us. They were struggling with how does the Word of God be fulfilled without compromise, believing with active faith that this is true. And all of these years have gone by in Abraham's life and he's like, you know, My wife is barren. I know there's another way. And through compromise, Ishmael comes onto the scene. But Ishmael wasn't the seed of the promise. God says, the seed of the promise will come about in the way that I told you it would come about. And so as we fast forward in time, Abraham does have a son, Isaac. And he starts rejoicing and he's glad and the whole community of his, of his family is changing now, right? We're told that he's, uh, this son is being raised up as a son of promise. And Abraham starts to think to himself, yeah, this is unfolding. I know the next steps. I know. My family is going to fill the earth And my enemies are God's enemies and there's no way I can lose now. I'm on the track to the glorious finish line. And then God comes to him and says, I want you to offer your son Isaac on the altar before me. I want you to offer the seed of promise. On the altar. Now, we know how the story comes out, but in those days he didn't. He didn't know. And so now he's put in a position am I going to trust God or am I going to compromise and disobey and try some other way? And we know the story. And so I've got some pictures for you. So Abraham gathers his son and he goes on a journey. God says, I want you to go on a journey to a place where I will show you. And so he takes his son 
He takes the knife, he takes a servant, takes his son, and he starts off. And I can't imagine what he was thinking all of the time. I'm going to sacrifice the son of promise. My son. My son. And he looks afar off and he sees a land. As he's traveling. And God says, that's the place. Called Mount Moriah. It's in Israel. And he says, it's on Mount Moriah that I want you to sacrifice your son. So Abraham begins to obey and he builds an altar. His son says, Dad, I see the altar. I see the wood. I see the fire. Where's the sacrifice? He says, God will provide. So as his son is on the altar, God speaks to him. He says, Abraham, now I know. Now I know. Now I know that you will obey my voice. Now I can trust you. Now I know that the natural things of this world aren't greater in your eyes than me. That you chose not to compromise, but you chose to walk in my words. And he looked over on one of the hills and he saw a ram stuck in a thicket. God provides the sacrifice. It's on this same hill that years later, God would offer his son. That God would offer his son as a sacrifice. This is the very same place. Can you imagine? So we see the story unfolding. Old age didn't hold the promises of God. You know, sin can't stop it either. The overall purposes of God cannot be stopped. Cannot be stopped. God's power and His authority and His plans for you, for the destiny of His overall planet cannot be stopped. Sin cannot stop it. And the story begins to unfold in David's day. David spent a lot of his time running from the people that wanted to kill him. Years and years. Finally, David is set up as king. His enemies are driven from him. And he thinks to himself, all right, the word of the Lord is coming to pass in my life. And I couldn't understand how this was going to come to pass when I was anointed the king. And when Samuel spoke the word over his life, when the prophetic voice established in his thinking the heart of God. And so David's now king. And he starts thinking to himself, yeah, wow, finally, the Word of the Lord is unfolding in my life and I'm experiencing it firsthand. Compromise comes knocking at the door 
And he decides to number the armies. In other words, God, I got it from here. I don't need to trust you anymore. Thank you for getting me here. I'm going to count how many soldiers I have and start leaning on the arm of man. Start leaning on the vast army that you've surrounded me with. So if any nation comes against me from now on, I'll know how to approach the military solution. King David, who had a heart after God himself. And so he numbers the army. And then God speaks through a prophetic voice. I want you to go speak to David. So the prophet comes to David and says, you've sinned. David said, I've sinned against heaven and earth. The prophet says, you have done something horrible, David. As king, you've demonstrated to the nation that you're not relying on God anymore. As the king who prophetically sets you in in motion, you've demonstrated. And if you can do this, then everybody else will soon follow. Your sin is great. And the prophetic voice came and said, I will give you three choices. Pick your own. Which one you're going to accept? And the prophetic voice came. I'll offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David and told him and said to him, Shall seven years of famine come to you? Or shall you flee three months before your enemies? Or shall there be three days plague in your land? Now David had spent a lifetime of running from his enemies. He didn't want to be turned back over to his adversaries. And he chose the famine. And so the Lord sends the angel and he killed 70,000 people. 70,000 people from the decision of one man. And the Word tells us that the angel came to the city and God told the angel, stay your hand. No more. God, uh, David sees the angel and he understands what's going on. And David spoke to the Lord and saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Surely I have sinned and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, be against me and against my father's house. And then Gad, the prophet, came to David and said to him, Go up and erect an altar to the Lord, the threshing floor of Arunah the Jebusite. Maybe that's what it looked like to David in his day. I don't know. But the threshing floor of Aruna was huge. And they were threshing out the wheat on it. And God, and God tells David through Gad the prophet, I want you to go up and purchase that land. And my angel will have the plague stopped. So David goes up. And Arun is threshing wheat on the floor and he says, what, what can I do for my king, the king of Israel? 
David says, I want to I wanna possess this land. I want to buy it. Aruna says, I'll give it to you. I'll give the oxen to you. I'll give the wood to you. I'll give everything that you need to offer to the, the Lord our God what He said to do. David says, I've learned a life lesson. I'm not going to offer to God what costs me nothing. I'm not going to give a sacrifice to God that I have no personal investment in. I'm not going to compromise this time. I'm not going to tell a different story. I'm not going to try to seek out the Word of God and have it cost me nothing. I'm going to pay full price for this land. Did you know this land was the very same place that Isaac was being offered? Very same place. And so God says, I want you to buy that land. David buys the land. The picture shows a gate far down in the valley. I don't know if that time the gate was there. But in later years, that's where Solomon's temple was built on this property. God has a strategic plan for His kingdom churches in the earth. And I want you to understand you're part of that plan. David turns his heart back to God and his destiny is back in the hands of God. God has places all over the earth, prophetic destiny, strategic places where he raises up sons to reveal himself. Sons that will walk in their destiny, refusing to compromise, and have been trained up to know how to walk in Ephesians 6. That every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God is brought down. And the high places belong to God. And God's possessing the high places through the work of His church. Amen? Strategic places given to people who were born to understand. Given instructions and a heart to walk out their destiny. The other witness is Ezekiel. Ezekiel had a vision of later days of how the temple of God was going to unfold. And so we have Solomon's temple that was destroyed. David didn't build the temple. His son Solomon built it. It was glorious. It was amazing. God came and inhabited where the people were worshiping. And we have other temples. But Ezekiel is speaking of a temple in Ezekiel chapter 47. So Ezekiel prophesies and says, He brought me to the door of the temple where there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east from the front of the temple that faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the side of the outer gateway that faces east, and there was water running out of the temple. And then a man came and went out of the east and a line in his hand, and he measured 1,000 cubits. And he brought me through the waters, and the waters came up to my ankles. So he started at the temple... He went a thousand cubits, and now the water was up to his ankles. 
He went another thousand cubits and the water came up to his knees. He went another thousand cubits and the water was up to his waist. And he went another thousand cubits and now it tells us that the water was too deep and you had to swim in it. When I returned, there along the bank of the river, there were very many trees along the, uh, along the side of the, of, the, of, the, of the river. Then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed, and it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the river go will live. There will be a great multitude of fish because of the waters and where they go. They will be healed and everything where the river goes. And it shall be that fishermen will stand by it from En Gedi to Anglium. They will be places for spreading their nets. And he's talking about... Now in, the, in natural Israel, the, the gate does face east. But Ezekiel didn't come out through the gate. It's sealed up. He said he went around by another way and came around the temple walls to where the gate was and there was water flowing. Now east of that gate, there's something called the Dead Sea. It's not far away. It's maybe 30, 40 miles away. And the Dead Sea is one of the lowest places on the earth that holds the water. But it's salt solution is something like 30% and nothing can live in it. And when we went to Israel, we took our shoes off and we stood in the water. And it's so salty that if you have an open wound or something on your, on your hands, the salt just burns it. Nothing can live in the water. Well, Ezekiel's prophesying. The water that comes out from under the temple is going to heal the Dead Sea. We need to understand the types and shadows that I'm going to get into in just a moment. So now that I've got you thinking about Abraham and the promise, that I've got you thinking about David and even sin couldn't stop the promises of God, I've got you thinking about Ezekiel and what your destiny will be like. We're celebrating 50 years of marriage with Kathy and Lonnie. What an amazing gift that the Lord has given us. What an amazing way God unfolds His plan. Destiny prophetic voice speaking before the foundations of the earth, determining where you're going to be, where you're going to be trained up, where you're going to come to know and understand the voice of the Lord and the types and the shadows that are causing you to be perfect. Why the struggles and why the trials? Because He loves you. Because He cares about you. Because you have a destiny. Because you have a call. Because there's a prophetic voice in the house. 
through Kathy and Lonnie to understand the vision that happened long ago. 1979, the Lord spoke to Kathy and Lonnie. Leave your land. Leave everything you're familiar with. Leave the things that you're most comfortable with. And go to a land where I will show you. Nineteen eighty five. This property was purchased. Eight acres. Eight is new beginnings. This property was purchased, and the first thing that they did was they had a <clears throat> fellowship in their living room, in the dining room. And that's kind of where it started. But the carriage house was purchased. Carriage house. A barn. A place where animals used to live. A manger. There was hay. There was seed on the floor. There were pigs down underneath it. There was seed in the earth that God knew. This is the place where my servants will purchase. And there will be something happening in that place that's prophetic, that will reach even the nations. A place to be seen afar off. A place where people have cleansed their hearts. Cleansed their ways of compromise. That God can come and inhabit the praises and the hearts, and the minds. Where was Jesus born? In a manger. In a cave. In a barn. A place where they kept animals. And out of that beginning, the world changed. Because of His desire to, to please His Father, and no compromise. So as we continue, we've got the carriage house. Eight acres of property, right? Are you with me? Purchase the carriage barn, a place where animals used to be raised and kept, a place where you will be raised up as sons, those with a prophetic destiny to a call that will impact the region and be seen afar off. This is not a place of dead religion. It isn't a place of dead religion. It isn't a place of form. It isn't a place where we need to be sounding like anybody else. It's a place of uniqueness. You're called to function under the anointing of God inside your uniqueness of who God made you to be from the destiny that is written about you in the books of heaven. This is not a place of dead religion where religious spirits have taken over the high places, but a relationship with God the Father, the Creator, the Savior, the Deliverer. In this relationship as sons, The sons will take back the high places, for the high places belong to God. Symbolism. 
I'm beginning to love the symbolism. The sanctuary built on a rock. When this sanctuary was built, you couldn't blast it. It had to be hammered away with construction equipment. This sanctuary sits on the rock. The rock of Jesus Christ. And before the foundations were laid, huge equipment needed to come in with 50,000 pound hammers to break up the ledge so this floor could be poured. The sanctuary in this property isn't built on the sand. When the wind and the waves come, as they have so reliably over the last 30 years, God intends His church to remain. I want to talk about the symbolism of springs and rivers. Anytime there's a spring or a river, symbolizes life. Symbolizes truth. Symbols of the Holy Spirit. You see, God doesn't want religion. He wants truth. He wants somebody that's not willing to compromise. He wants somebody to stand on His Word in a prophetic destiny for a time and a season such as this. It's the same story that Abraham went through and David, but it's in a different time and it's in a different place and it's unfolding through a different people. Purchase a property in a barn where animals were. God raises up sons and daughters to know their voice. 1986, New Life Fellowship. This is the name. 1989, Kathy and Lonnie were now set in place, ordained before 250 leaders that God sent to this region. 250 people. And Lonnie and Kathy go to a meeting, probably no idea, probably no understanding of what was going to unfold that very day, but called out because of the love of God. Obey my voice. Go to a land I will show you. And in that place I will meet you. And I will ordain you. And I will lay hands on you. And I will bring forth the prophetic voice. Psalmist of the Lord. Destiny. Sons. Birthed. I want to get back to the water. This property, when it was purchased, used to have wells in it up on the side of the hill here. Those wells used to feed the town of Hartford back in the day. Those wells are still up there this day. And that's one of the wells. I hiked up there in the springtime with no leaves because I wanted you to see the I wanted you to see what these wells look like. They're still deep and they're still running with water. In other words, the promise of God of truth is still here. The Holy Spirit. God wants there to be types and shadows in the earth that the people of destiny, the kingdom churches, would come to understand this story is bigger than me. It's bigger than this region. 
It's bigger than the governments that have been here for so long. The prophetic destiny that God has for you being a part of this place is real. And it goes back into the fabric of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the sons of Jacob. That fabric goes back into the plans of God upon the earth to restore and redeem a prophetic destiny that you would come to know and realize you gave your life to God. It's not just about you. Will you follow the prophetic voice? Will you lend yourself to being trained up under an anointing and under truth? Will you draw from the wells of the Holy Spirit and come to know Him? There's the big well. It's up on the top of this property. It's probably 10 or 12 feet across it. And when they gave up the well, because long ago you couldn't have wells like this that fed communities, and so the town hauled in dirt and gravel and they filled the well. But I've stood in the center of that well. Lonnie and Kathy have stood in the center of that well and called forth the prophetic anointing to redig the wells of this area, of this region, that the purposes of the destiny of the people would come and be your experience. That's the river that's coming out of the well that was filled up. You can't stop the voice of God. You can fill the well in the natural with all kinds of dirt and debris but the river of God will still flow. There's the third well. It's under the branches that you see right here. This well produces this stream of water and it comes down behind this sanctuary in a river. A prophetic people in a prophetic place with a prophetic destiny to unfold in this region. So now I'm turned around and I wanted you to see the top of the roof, the sanctuary right there. This is the house. This is the house over here. There's the steeple on the original carriage house. It's not way up on the side of the hill. It's a prophetic sign of who you're to become. as I begin to close, when we built this sanctuary, not only was it on ledge, but there was water flowing out from underneath the temple that we had to deal with. Because if we didn't, there would be water in the sanctuary and you'd all be swimming in the water. So there's a pipe that runs from that side to this side to carry the water underneath the sanctuary out into a place that you pass every single time you come into these doors. That pipe carries water and it was flowing even just a few days ago. So you see the pipe that carries the water out from under the sanctuary. That's a picture of the White River. 
And if you go down there in front of Chris and Jackie's house, it's pretty low. And you can see the sandbars and you can see the rocks. It's about ankle deep. It's about ankle deep. Just like Ezekiel prophesied. There will be water, the Holy Spirit, truth coming out of my temple. As a sign, don't you know that the Holy Ghost lives inside of you who ministers truth? Don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you know that you have been called to a time such as this? This building is a type and a shadow and that's all it is. That you would understand who you are. And so you go a thousand cubits down and water's up to your waist. Knees and waist and too big, right? So I want you to see this. So this is an aerial view. Praise Chapel's right here. There's a sanctuary. Down into the river. So the water comes out from under the sanctuary, goes through a pipe, goes along the culverts, comes down into the river, and then down this river. This is ankle deep. This is a thousand cubits, just like Ezekiel said it would be. He said water is flowing out of the temple. This is a prophetic place. You are a prophetic people. So you can't see it very well, but this is where the bridge was. It was a thousand cubits from Praise Chapel down into there. That's ankle deep. So when you go home today, I want you to do a rubberneck thing over the side of the bridge and see how much water's down there. It's about ankle deep. And then as you go down another thousand cubits, it's knee deep. It's knee deep. For real. And you go down another thousand cubits and it's waist deep. And you go down another thousand cubits and it starts to go into the mouth of the Connecticut River and it's too much, you've got to swim across it. I want you to understand that the life that you're living, God started way back in the 70s, said, Lonnie, Kathy, I've ordained you to raise up sons. I've ordained you to raise up a prophetic people. And 50 years later, after their marriage, we stand here because two people obeyed the voice of God. I want you to understand the call that God has on your life is greater than yourself. It's a prophetic destiny. Just like the promise that was given to Abraham, your enemies will be my enemies. Those who come against you come against me, for you are the apple of my eye. That's what his word says. Can you imagine taking a stick and poking it in the eye of God? There would be something that he has to say about that. You are a prophetic people. Those who come against you are coming against God. I want you to understand the anointing that's on your life that God wants you to lead You can choose to walk away from it. You can choose to ignore it. You can let hardships of this life convince you that it was never God to begin with. 
You can let the naysayers and the people witness to you and convince you, yeah, there's got to be some other way. And you can enter into compromise. Or you can lend yourself to the very Word that God spoke prophetically into your life before the foundations of the world, before you were born and entered your mother's womb, you were known. You should want to be trained up. You should want to understand the prophetic call over Kathy and Lonnie's life and over this property and who you're called to be. There are other properties just like this all over the world because it says, I will have a church. This is one of many that are kingdom-oriented churches that refuse to compromise. Because if you compromise, the seats will be full and man will be ministering to man. And I believe that we're in a season of time now. Fifty is grace. It's empowerment. And I believe we're entering in a season where the adversary that has stood in the high places, lying, the prophetic destiny that you walk in, you were never meant to walk out a prophetic destiny by a barrage of the lies of the enemy. You were never meant to walk out a prophetic destiny in sickness and disease. You were never meant to walk out a prophetic destiny for all of your life where hardships and pain and suffering comes. That's a part of the story, but that's not the end. That's not the end. And we're in a season of time right now where God is saying, I want my people to be trained up. I want them to understand how to do Ephesians 6 clothed with the anointing and the weapons of warfare and speak to the adversary in the high places and declare the day is at hand and they're coming down. So as we close, Barbara has a song that she wants to play. Barbara, if you'd come. And uh, she wanted to talk to you just for a couple of minutes of why the song's important. So yesterday I was Beth? Beth? And, um, Hello, Beth. <laughs> Are you there? Okay. Yeah. Got to pay attention. Yesterday I was and I said, you know, God, 50 years, it just, it just, I, I was in awe. I'm just so thankful. We honor both of you. All of us honor both of you. I mean, we're just in awe of you and all that you've given, your sacrifice, everything you've done in your lives, your children, your grandchildren. And I ask God to give a song to me that reflects the love that you have for one another. And I pray that it just, you know, touches your heart. So we have uh, cake and uh, and, uh, we have uh, cards and gifts and just blessing you next door. And so as the song plays, thank you for what you have done that we can stand in a place and become sons of the living.